The House of Commons resumed sitting yesterday, and there was some hope that we might be given some details on when a couple of things will happen. Uh, a foreign agent's registry. Uh, when will that be ready to go? It's been six months now. It was back in March where the Prime Minister agreed to bring in new legislation that would force those working on behalf of foreign governments in Canada to disclose the fact that they are working for foreign governments within Canada. That was the plan. Um, they consulted. That went on for a couple of months. And then, well, I don't know, we haven't heard anything else. And that was one of the promises the government made in response to, you know, all the reporting around foreign interference. The other one, of course, the public inquiry. And again, some strides taken there. We now have a person in place, but no details yesterday as how exactly that's going to work. And the timeline on that one is pretty tight. Let's speak with Charles Burton now, a senior fellow at the McDonald laurier Institute and a former counselor at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. Charles, thank you for being here. It's nice to talk again. Good morning, Shay. Um, consultation into the registry started back in March, ended in May, and since then, nothing. Uh, we really haven't heard anything on the foreign registry. Uh, were you expecting, were you hoping we might find out something yesterday? Well, you know, Mr. Mendicino at the time suggested that the government would be introducing legislation uh, in response to this matter. I mean, you know, as you say, the consultation stopped in May. That left ample time for the government and the Justice Department to come up with some legislation uh, that would um, uh, lead to debate in Parliament on a foreign in uh, influence transparency registry. And it's not like we have to reinvent the wheel because, you know, there's similar laws yeah. in Australia and the U.S. and the U.K. just just uh, set one up just a few weeks ago. So uh, the fact that, you know, we're hearing crickets on this one is uh, is worrying that, that the government doesn't plan to do anything about it, I think, because they're worried that maybe some respected political figures would be seen to be on the Chinese take and, you know, that wouldn't be good. And it also makes me really wonder, as you say, about the um, about the public inquiry by uh, by Justice Og. You, you know, are they planning to under resource her, and then she produces uh, basically nothing burger report, and they put it in the same pending file as the foreign um, influence transparency registry? Uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't look at all good, and uh, and uh, you know, I think they're hoping that the public will simply uh, lose interest in this. And we'll be more interested in domestic things like housing and mm -hmm. more affordable and so on. But, uh, you know, the longer they delay, the closer we get to the next election. And this thing could come back to bite them. You mentioned um, the other countries that already have this. Our allies, our very, very close allies, Australia, the United Kingdom just recently doing it. The Prime Minister has talked repeatedly about we got to get this right. This is delicate. This is sensitive. We can't mess this up. I mean... Like you say, we're not inventing this. It's it's already been done by people that we consider to be friends and allies around the world, right? So, I mean, how much credence is there to the prime minister saying, oh, well, we've got to make sure we get this right. We don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, I mean, they, they make essentially two arguments or maybe three. Uh, you know, the first one being that we've heard from a prominent senator that a few years ago that this sort of stuff may be going on in Australia but couldn't be happening in Canada. I think we can pretty much discard that one. The second would be, oh, it would violate the, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms to demand that people reveal where they get their uh, their income from. I, I think because Australia and the UK have the same Westminster parliamentary system as we do and, you know, have a, a similar commitment to uh, human rights, I don't think that one, uh, that one really um, holds water either. And, um, you know, finally, that 
that um, it would lead to racism against Chinese people in Canada. That one seems to be a complete red herring because when the Australian laws came in, and I dare say it'll be the same with the UK laws, the people that were that were exposed by the potent, by the necessity, the obligation to declare if they had benefits from a foreign source when they were in positions of public trust, were uh, all white people. They weren't. wasn't a, you know, the best of my knowledge. There wasn't a single person of color that was exposed uh, through this process. So, you know, all the arguments that are being made to not do it just wear pretty thin. I mean, both the prime minister and the minister LeBlanc have described it as complicated. I I just don't see what the complications are unless they're trying to cover up for some people. Well, that's the question, Charles. And going back to the beginning is why has there been what can only be perceived at this point as reluctance or or, or resistance even? Um, I I don't, you know, some people have said, oh, it's because they're going to find out that they didn't actually win the election. I don't think anybody's saying that. Even in opposition, uh, from what we understand, I don't think it actually would have affected the outcome of the election to the point where the Liberals wouldn't have been government. But um, like you say, there are other perceived risks, perhaps, in terms of who might be implicated or wrapped up in all of this? Yeah, I think that that's the thing. And I mean, we do know that there are a number of senior civil servants and former cabinet ministers who, after they leave yeah. public service, you know, usually in their mid or later 50s, they they feel they deserve to make the big bucks. And a lot of them seem to be working for China-associated law firms or boards. And I mean, if you were identified while in government as being someone that, you, you know, acted seriously against uh, Chinese espionage or or um, international human rights violations or harassment of persons in Canada, then, you know, you would be on a Chinese blacklist and you could say goodbye to having that cushy advisory job with a law firm that does a lot of business with China. So you do wonder if there are people who are kind of holding back because they, um, they, they'd they rather leave it to their successors mm-hmm. to deal with China because they're hoping after they leave office that, you know, they'll get these kinds of lucrative opportunities. One of my friends in Britain, a man called Charlie Parton of the Royal United Services Institute, guy's name is almost identical to me and he does the same stuff. But, you know, he said that we're really talking about life transforming amounts of money. So we really need to get to the bottom of that in the Canadian public interest. And, you know, you're right. It probably didn't change the results of the election, but it could have changed the results of what happened in a number of ridings, particularly in northern Toronto and and Vancouver area. And, you know, that that's just intolerable. We just can't have Chinese interference in our democratic institutions like that. I agree completely. I mean, any kind of interference is is far too much interference. Um, Let me ask you about the public inquiry, which, again, we've got some timelines around that one. And to me, Charles, they seem they seem pretty tight. Um, And like you said, you're you're not overly optimistic that it's going to deliver a fulsome, detailed, um, you know, report on exactly what's gone on you think it might be a bit of window dressing what do you think about the timeline and what we know about the framework of the public inquiry and does it give us a place to start well i mean you know i hope that justice oak will simply say to mr leblanc that i'm sorry that february deadline that you've arbitrarily imposed on me is just not going to work because by the time she assembles a team and they all get cleared to top secret and then they go through like piles and piles and piles of documents and you know and hopefully have some sharp lawyers there that 
won't stand any nonsense from civil servants or or politicians who may have something to hide with regard to their lack of response to those serious allegations in the in the top secret documents that were leaked to the Globe and Mail and Global News. You know, it's going to take a lot longer than three months to do it properly. And, uh, you know, I hope that, that Justice Oak wants to do it properly. I think we really need to get to the bottom of this and get it cleared up by 2025 when we have our election so that we won't see a repeat of the kinds of things that we've seen in the last two elections, which, you know, as you say, is just just dead wrong. And we shouldn't put up with foreign states that engage in this kind of activity. And you really see the contrast between the way the government's responded to this horrendous allegations from India and uh, and the, the easier time they seem to give China yeah. with regard to interference in our system. This is the thing, Charles. I mean, the response to India has been that's what you would expect a grown-up company uh, country to do. Exactly, is, they've been they've been pretty forceful. And you know, in the meantime, with the way we've handled China, we 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 continually hear reporting. You know, as recently as last week about China continuing to do all the things that we were upset about because, I mean, we haven't given them a reason to stop, have we? No, I mean, there's there's no consequences no. For, for this. And they have a huge number of people in our country, um, a lot more than Canada has in China. And, you know, one can't help but think that a significant proportion of the Chinese diplomats are, in fact, engaged in these espionage and harassment and influence operations. And, you know, CSIS, if CSIS isn't clear on who's, you know, up to no good out of the Chinese diplomatic cohort, then we ought to give CSIS the resources so they can be. And we can simply politely say, sorry, these people have to go home because they're not doing anything to benefit Canada-China relations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we'll see where this goes. Charles, uh, always nice to chat. Thanks so much for joining us today. I do appreciate it.